I'd like to welcome all of our guests tonight. If you are a guest with us, we're so happy to have you in service with us tonight. If you're watching us online, wherever you're watching from, we pray that you're blessed by this service. If you, for whatever reasons, if you were unable to be here last night or this morning, and again, I know Sunday mornings between Sunday school here in Arnold and then our other ministries that take place, many of you are other places, but I am encouraging you as quickly as they're available. If you're on Facebook, they're already available, but uh, if you use Vimeo, they have to archive them, but you need to, you need to watch, and I'm going to say the, what I said this morning, not, not just with it on in the background while you're cleaning the house or changing the oil in the car or whatever, but you owe it to yourself to sit down with your computer or your tablet or whatever and watch and listen and let the Holy Ghost say to you what what he is wanting to say to you that he said to us already. I, 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 I'm going to keep, hopefully keep declaring it and you're going to declare it in your own lives. Again, I believe that because of where we are in the history of this church that it is a significant year and I believe that it's the year of Jubilee for us. So, But but that being said, that being said, in the book of Revelation chapter 3, there is a verse that's repeated almost word for word, I think, several times. And that verse is this, verse, verse 6 is one of them. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And I can't tell you how many times in the last several weeks, from completely different sources, people that are not connected to other people that I've heard it from, but people declaring and prophesying and proclaiming that this year, no matter where you are, but this year is, is, is God intends for it to be the greatest year. I, I believe... I just believe we, we've got a little bit more basis for that just simply because of where we are, again, in the history of this church. But the point is we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I think I said it several weeks ago, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best now not to let the uninterested hinder me. But that does not mean I don't still care. And I, there's a few of you here tonight. I'm not going to call any names because I don't want to embarrass anybody or put anybody on the spot. But there's a few of you here tonight. You are so close to completely aborting and missing not only God's plan for your life, but possibly even your own salvation. I'm doing my best just to get out of the way, but there's a couple of you playing games with God. And the problem is it's not just about you. It's about those around you that you are impacting by doing or not doing God's will and God's plan. So I'm saying to everybody tonight, 
God is, God's talked to us all weekend and I am certain He's about to talk to us and move in this place some more. And so I'm, I'm trying to, this was intended all to be encouraging. <laughs> Don't miss out on what God is doing and is going to do. We, we, you need to watch last night if you weren't here, but we've shut some doors and we're going beyond change. Moving into what God has for us, hear me, collectively, but also individually. But I'm going to say it one more time. There's a few of you. God's just about done with playing around with you. You've had plenty of chances. And not only ministry-wise, but ultimately your own soul. Oh, hallelujah. Well, this took a quick turn. I did not plan, but Brother Near is more than capable. He and Jesus. I want, I, look, can we just, just lift your hands for a moment? We'll go back to the positive part here. I think there's just, there's a little bit of nagging doubt for some of us, a little bit of nagging unbelief, but based on what the Holy Ghost has been saying to us all weekend, it's, it's time to shut that door. And move forward with faith and confidence. Father, I pray tonight, every voice of doubt and unbelief of the enemy that wars against individuals in this place tonight, let that voice be silenced. That we might embrace with faith what you are doing and what you are going to do in and through us, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those tonight, God, that you have tried and tried and tried, not only for their soul's sake, but for their purpose in your kingdom's sake. Don't let them miss it, God. Don't let them miss their opportunity. Don't let them miss the chance, God, to be a part of your work and kingdom, to impact lives for the sake of eternity. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. I said it, I said it leading up to this weekend numerous times, and I know we've got, we've got the rest of this service to go, but I am without a doubt can say that God has certainly spoken to us this weekend. Very clearly. <laughs> and I appreciate that very much. I know uh, he doesn't looking for this and probably doesn't want it, but the Bible instructs us to do it. And I just want to say how much I appreciate Brother Ryan Near and... Not only his ministry in the pulpit and in a service, but who he is outside of it. He, uh, I'm not trying to embarrass him or put him on the spot, but you hear him walking around. He's staying in our house this weekend in Timothy's room. Since Timothy's not here, it's not quite as nice as a hotel, but he was up for that and we were, we were good with that. And hear him walking around, talking in tongues and praying and, 
and that's it's not a put on it's not to try to impress anybody it's just it's who he is and uh, i i deeply appreciate him i appreciate the connection i think this is is this three or four times now at least three and every single time he's been here he's come with a clear timely word and i appreciate that so it's it's only 6:45 and uh we 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 we're in a very important season and whatever what whatever god wants to do and say and however long that takes is there anybody that says have your way jesus praise god brother near come Come on, let's clap for Jesus, everybody. He's the reason why we're here. Father, we love you. Hallelujah. We worship you right now. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. 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 The Spirit is already moving. And the Spirit is already working. And there is no way that I could outdo what God's already done. But I believe that God through His Word can open a window into the Spirit. So that we can have clarity that would, that would elevate our faith. So that we could receive everything that God has for us to receive. Thy Word, He said, is a lamp. Unto my feet. In a light. Unto my path. That means the word can show me right where I am. And it can show me the path that I need to take. So we can get where we need to go. So how many are ready for the word of God tonight? Amen. How many have an ear to hear and ready to hear what God would say? Amen. And I believe it is so. It's so good to be back with you. I said last night, I said it's good to be home in Naptown. Amen. I've been riding around with Pastor. I ain't going to tell you half the stuff. That's the reason why I'm praying so much. No, we've been having a good time. I found a friend in your pastor. I give honor to him. I give honor to all of you. Amen. That, that, uh, I've been faithful. Amen. I give honor to Bishop in his absence once again in Mother Wright. I love, love them. I appreciate, appreciate his sacrifice. Fifty years. Fifty years. You've not just entered a new year. But this is a new decade, a new season. So tonight, I'm going to ask you if you would... Don't make me entertain you. Don't force me to be just another Pentecostal preacher. Because I don't want to get up, get caught up preaching at the expense of not saying anything at all. But if you'll have that ear to hear, I believe God's going to speak to us tonight. Amen? So if you ever have your Bibles, I want you to open those to, uh, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 21. I give honor to all of you and our guests that are here with us. Amen. I hope you're having a good time already. I know when I first came into a church like this, I thought everybody was crazy. Just comes to come to find out I was right. We're all crazy, but we're crazy for something that matters. 
we're crazy for something that lasts. Amen. So I give honor to our guests that are here. Um, 2 Samuel, verse 21. You go ahead and keep playing because that sounds good, Nathaniel. Okay. 2 Samuel, chapter 21, verse 1. The Bible says, did I say verse 21? Let's go to verse 1 and we'll get, we'll get there. Verse 1, chapter 21, verse 1. I'm sorry. The Bible says, then. Every other word that God had preached to us this weekend started with now. But it says, then. Then there was a famine in the days of David. Three years. Year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. And the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites, and the children of Israel had sworn unto them. And Saul sought to slay them in his zeal. To the children of Israel and Judah. Wherefore David said unto the Gibeonites. What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement? How can I make things right? That ye may bless the inheritance of the Lord. Verse 6 says. Let seven men of his sons. Saul's sons be delivered unto us. And we will hang them up unto the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord did choose. And the king said, I will give them. But the king, verse 8, but the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, whom she bare unto Saul, and Armani and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, and the Mehiholathite. Just lift your hands right now. And say his name. <laughs> And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them in the hill before the Lord. And they fell all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest. And in the first days, in the beginning, somebody shout the beginning. In the beginning of barley harvest. And Rizpah the daughter of Aiah took sackcloth and spread it for her upon the rock from the beginning of harvest. Until the water dropped upon them out of heaven. And suffered neither the birds of the air to rest on them by day. Nor the beast of the field by night. And it was told David. What Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, the concubine of Saul, had done. And David, somebody shout David. And David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabosh Gilead, which had... Had, which had stolen them from the street of Bashan, where the Philistines had hanged them, when the Philistines had slain Saul in Gilboa. And he brought up from thence the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan his son. And they gathered the bones of them that were hanged and the bones of Saul 
and Jonathan, his son, buried they in the country of Benjamin in Zelah, the sepulcher of Kish, his father. And they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, and after that, God was entreated for the land. Tonight, I want to talk to you about burying the bones and facing the famine. How many are ready for the word? Would you throw your hands up one more time? And would you somehow, some way, articulate your faith and begin to cry out to God, Father, in the name of Jesus, if we've ever needed a word, we need a word right now. Oh God, I pray that you would breathe into this service one more time with fresh revelation and understanding. Let your anointing articulate every word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us the boldness to overcome our reluctance. That you would give us a boldness, oh God, to face the famine so that we can see our lives change and that we can have the faith to transition into our next season and we believe it all in your precious name and everybody said in Jesus name amen and you may be seated if you so desire if you would just maybe look at your neighbor and just tell him it's time to bury the bones then There was a famine in the land. If it was just one year, it would have been probably just a fad or a fluke. But the Bible clearly says that there was a famine in the days of David three years. And the Bible makes clear to state it again, year after year this was not just a passing year that they had experienced famine but this was a pattern that was that was being seen by david what is a famine? A famine is literally when you do not get out of the field what you have invested into the field. There are times when you walk with God where you give everything and seemingly get nothing in return. There are times where you can exhaust yourself in the field and you can invest but not see the return on investment. And that is a famine. It's not that there's not any fruit. There's no fruit that came up. It's not that there wasn't fruit. But the fruit, there wasn't as much fruit as there had been investment. That's what a famine is. But if it was just one year, you could have just looked past it. If it was just a passing year and we had a bad year, that's one thing. But David realized that this wasn't just a passing year where he had invested in the field. But Israel did not get out of the field what they had put into it. He realized it was not just a passing year, but this was a cycle that Israel was finding themselves in. It was a reality that they would themselves be faced with. That we're putting everything in, but we're not getting everything out out of what we are putting into this field. We've got to do something. And he had the boldness to face the famine. He had the boldness to say, you know what? 
I'm putting into this thing, but I'm not getting out of this thing. And that is exhausting if you are walking with God and you are giving your everything and you are giving your all and you're going all in, but you're not seeing the return on your investment. And when you go and are faced with famine year after year, not just a passing season, but it's a cycle, you realize, wait a minute, there's something up. There is a famine and that with that famine creates reluctance that when the next year comes you're a little apprehensive that you just don't want to give your all in the next season when you gave your all in the last season but you didn't get out of the last season what you thought you would when you put everything into the field that you did but didn't get out of it what you thought that you would That creates reluctance and we are hesitant to sacrifice like we did in these last 50 years. We're hesitant to sacrifice and to give again and to believe again. So you feel as you read the text, there is a reluctance in David when he realizes that this isn't just a passing year of loss. This isn't just a passing year, but this is year after year. And it's when he is willing to face the famine. And I'm here to tell you that's what life is like sometimes. You put more into this life than you get out of it and you are exhausted. You are wore out and you are reluctant to try again. You are reluctant to believe again. You are reluctant to raise your hands again. You are reluctant to come to the altar one more time. You are reluctant to put that offering in the plate. You are reluctant to go and to give again because you realize that it is a cycle that has remained unbroken. But it is David that leader that he was he finally realized that I've got to face the famine so that we can change the tide so what he did was he inquired of the Lord and said God why and it was God that spoke to David and said it's because of Saul the first king of Israel and his bloody house See, the king of Saul, the king of Saul, he was never supposed to be king. But because of the people's request, they asked for a king. God wanted to be their king. But they said, we want a king like everybody else. We want a king that we can see. We want a king that we can ultimately control to some degree or another. We want a king like everybody else. And God gave them what they asked for. And that is what Saul's name actually means. Asked for. Desired. So God gave them what they asked for. But he said it will come at a high price. It will cost you more than you were willing to give. He said, yeah, I'll give you King Saul. I'll give you a king like everybody else. But watch now. He said it's going to cost you your sons. It's going to cost you your daughters. It's going to cost you a portion of your field. It's going to cost you your vineyards. But that's the thing. You can want something so bad. Eventually God might... I just give it to you but at what cost what price are you willing to pay for that which you actually desire and I'm here to tell you God said you want it here it is you can have it but it's going to cost you your future it's going to cost you your field it's going to cost you more than you realize if you get what you're asking for so be careful what you ask for because God might give it to you That's who King Saul was. 
King Saul was what they asked for. But King Saul, in his religious zeal, tried to kill the Gibeonites. He said it's because of Saul. This is the reason why there's a famine in the land. It's because of King Saul and his bloody House. It's what he did in the past that is holding you imprisoned in your present. It is what happened back then that is keeping you for what will happen. So David had to face the fact that it wasn't something he had personally done that was holding him hostage and keeping the famine in this unbroken cycle. Hear me. I want to take the shame and the guilt off of somebody right now. I want you to understand that David, he had to face the famine. But when you're willing to face reality, that is the first step to receiving fresh direction. Is when you're willing to face reality and ask the difficult questions of why. Why is this happening? Because some of you are wrestling with guilt and you think that it's not happening for you because you did something wrong. But I'm telling you that there just might be some things in the past that have remained undealt with that God is saying, I will not let you move forward. So I'm going to keep you in this cycle of famine until you deal with what's behind you before I can give you what's ahead of you. Uh, I hope this is making sense. Because he said of king, the king of Saul, he killed the Gibeonites because in his religious zeal, he was trying to remove anything that was not like him. And that is a religious spirit that will try to kill anything that doesn't think like me, that doesn't act like me, that doesn't do like me. So in his religious zeal to show that he was the king of Israel after he'd already been rejected, I'm going to sacrifice to compensate for my disobedience. And that remained in the Gibeonites consciousness, but was not in their conversation. Can I say that the atrocities that had been done to the Gibeonites, it was in their consciousness still, but no longer in their conversations. Can I tell you that there are things that might have happened in your past. You might not talk about them anymore, but that doesn't mean that they're not in your consciousness or even your subconscious anymore. But what I'm telling you is when you face the famine, you've got to come to grips with. There might be some things in your past that have been remained undealt with. You may not talk about them anymore, but that's that doesn't mean that they are done and over and dealt with and finalized. So, uh, so David goes to the Gibeonites and says, being the leader that he is, David goes to the Gibeonites and he says, what do I have to do to make things right? And they said, We want seven sons of Saul so that we can hang them up in the tree. What they were saying was that we want to remove anything that resembles the one that hurt us. 
No, no, no. We want to remove anything in Israel because God said, I'm not going to let Israel move forward until they deal with the Gibeonites. It's in our consciousness, but no longer in our conversation. So we think it's final. We think it's over, but God said it's not over because the Gibeonites, they want to remove anything that resembles the religion that hurt them or resembles the man that did them wrong. We want seven sons of Saul, the resemblance of what once was in our world that did what they did to us. we want to remove that from us so what happened what's really going on the reason why God's not letting them go forward is because the Gibeonites are putting on this king of Israel what that king of Israel had done to them so God was allowing David to go to the Gibeonites and say, what do I got to do to make things right? What do I got to do to make atonement with you that you may bless Israel? And it wasn't until they were blessed by the Gibeonites that the rain began to fall. But watch now. They were putting on this king of Israel what that king of Israel had done. They were projecting their past onto Israel's present. And it was holding hostage their potential. It was nothing that David had done to the Gibeonites. But it's what David represented. Let me bring this around so it will make sense. What are you saying? If psychologists, they call it transference. Sigmund came up with the idea that, that little boys will transfer onto people in their, from their past. Men will transfer their past onto their present. And many times transference is where we transfer the trauma of what was. Onto what is, and thus forfeit what will be. And whether we realize it or not, many times we are operating in that same transference where we are projecting onto our present what our past put on us. And that's exactly what the Gibeonites were doing. It's nothing that David did wrong. It's what David represented as the king of Israel. They were saying, well, that king of Israel hurt us, so we're going to put that the, the same proclivity on this king of Israel because of what that king of Israel did. We're going to project that because you might do the same thing to us. That he did. I hope this is making sense right now because we're about, you ready? We're about to go a little bit more, okay? Because sometimes the famine is in place because people are transferring the trauma of their past onto their present. And because that king of Israel hurt me, that king of Israel is going to hurt me. Because of that king of Israel let me down, that king of Israel, is I can't trust him. I can't believe in his ministry because of what his ministry did to me. And it's not what David did. He didn't do anything wrong. It's what he represented. He represented the king of Israel. He was in the same place that King Saul was. And it wasn't what David did, but what King Saul did, that they were now transferring on to him. I don't call it transferring. Transference, though that's for the smart psychological people and the psychiatrists they'll do all that but let me show you something that I, I found in the word that changed my life can I can I show that to you it's in John John chapter 14 let's start with John chapter 13 and verse 2 John chapter 13 and verse 2 is where they're having the last supper and all of the disciples are gathered round And they are eating together. But the Bible says, And supper being ended, the devil having now put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Judas Iscariot. 
the most infamous betrayal of all time. That when you thank Judas, you thank 30 pieces of silver. You think betraying Jesus with a kiss. But Judas, he gets up from the table and he leaves the rest of the leaders and he goes to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and he comes back and he betrays Jesus with a kiss. But while that Judas, Judas Iscariot, has now left the table, the conversation continues. And John chapter 14 and verse 22 reveals a truth that has forever changed my life. Watch this. John chapter 14 verse 22 says, At the same table, with the same disciples, Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot. You know what that reveals to me? That there is another Judas that was sitting at the table. But John paused long enough to put two words in there that could completely liberate you from what you are in. That word, those two words, not Iscarius. What John was trying to say is, I know Judas, he betrayed you. I know he trolled you for 30 pieces of silver, Jesus. But this Judas is not that Judas. No, you didn't hear it. He was saying just because that Judas left you when he did doesn't mean that this Judas is going to let you down. That two word, not Iscariot, he was saying, listen, there's another Judas at your table. But this Judas is not that Judas. Because John, the gospel writer, knew. He knew that when you hear Judas again, you're going to think 30 pieces of silver. When you hear Judas again, you're going to think betrayal by a kiss. When you hear Judas, you're going to say the one that I love but left. But he was saying this Judas is not that Judas. Just because somebody left you doesn't mean everybody's going to leave you. Just because somebody lied to you doesn't mean everybody's going to... Just because one minute ministry hurts you doesn't mean every ministry is going to hurt you because this Judas is not that hey I call this the Judas effect because many times the betrayal in life and the letdowns and the disappointments and the pain many times we have people that get up and leave from our table Because of what that Judas did, the other at the Judas, the other Judas at the table has to suffer. Because here's the thing: just because one king of Israel, one religious system, caused you pain. Because listen, let me say it like this. I know you've had bad experiences in your past in the name of Christianity. But this Judas ain't that Judas. This church ain't that church. This man of God is not that man of God. Hear me. This Judas is not that Judas. you got to get those two words etched in your spirit. Not Iscariot. I know you've been around church and things have happened and people have let you down. Just because one father left doesn't mean every father figure in your world is going to leave you and let you down. So you've got to settle it tonight. Ah, think about it. It's transference. I call it the Judas effect. Because John well knew 
And when you kept reading, reading about the conversation that continued at that table, he knew that you would come across that there was another Judas, but he wanted to make clear distinction that this other Judas is not that Judas. Because that Judas, he left the table. He would betray you. He would take everything that you infested in him, and he would use it against you. But this Judas, no, this Judas, this Judas ain't that Judas. This Judas is actually going to be faithful to the death this Judas is going to love you without reservation. But because of what one Judas did to us, we become reluctant to trust again. We become reluctant to let down our guard. But I'm here to tell you that there are people in this room that they might remind you of the religious person or place that hurt you in your past. There might be father figures amongst you that you're projecting onto them what a daddy somewhere in your past had done to you. You put it on them. But this Judas... It's not that Judas. Because understand, whatever you're willing to put on this king of Israel, that that king of Israel put on you. Did you understand that we'll ultimately put that on God as well? Because ultimately, he's the king of Israel. And if that king of Israel has heard us and has spoke down to us and he, and he did what he did and, and destroyed us and, and they were taking the atrocities of the past and projecting it onto the present and that's why they could not move forward. But that's why this, this scripture in the Bible, it, it blows my mind. Numbers 23 and 19. And all the preachers know where I'm going with this. 23, 19, Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man. And I'm like, duh. It should be pretty obvious that God is not a man. Because he had just brought them out of Egypt. He had parted the Red Sea. And they had walked right through it. But some reason, this verse has to end up in your Bible. It should be pretty obvious that God's not a man. That he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? God's not a man, but somehow some man somewhere had lied to them. Broken their trust. And they were putting that on him. But the word had to come that God is not a man because man may have lied to you. Man may have let you down. People may have done you wrong. But don't you transfer that trauma onto God and say, God, because they let me down and they lied to me, you're going to lie. You somehow, maybe it's not in your conversation, but it's in your consciousness. Just like what happened to the Gibeonites. It was not being talked about, but it was still somewhere caught up in their mind and their memory of what somebody somewhere had done to them. But now they are taking what somebody had put on them and they are projecting it onto God. So it had to be cleared up that God is not a man just because somebody lied to you doesn't mean that God is going to lie to you just because somebody has let you down doesn't mean that God is going to let you down hear me Antioch God is trying to rouse your faith again but sometimes we are reluctant to trust we are reluctant to give and believe because of what happened then it's holding hostage our now and keeping us from our next that's why 
That's why it, I think it's Romans 3 and verse 3. Could you got the NLT version? I don't know. Do you got all those crazy versions? Do you have an LT? I don't because it just says it here. Watch what this verse says in the NLT. It says, True. Some of them were unfaithful. True. Some of them were wrong in what they did. True, it shouldn't happen like it did, but it did. He said, true, you were hurt and your hurt is legitimate. True, they broke your trust. True. Some of them were unfaithful. But just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? He's saying, don't you dare put on this king of Israel what that king of Israel has done to you. Don't put on this church experience what that church experience did to you. Don't put on this church what that church did to you when they said, we don't want you here. But watch what the next verse says. Verse uh, 3 and verse 4. King, King James Version. You ready? It says, for what if... No, no, no. Verse 4. He said, God forbid. Yea, let God be true. But every man a liar. You know what that says? It says it don't matter if every other man on the planet lied to you. God. God. He said, you let every man be a liar, but let God be true. What he's saying is, don't you dare put on God what people have put on you. Don't put on that king of Israel what that king of Israel has done. God, it doesn't matter if everybody's let you down. He's not going to let you down. It doesn't matter if everybody broke their word, couldn't keep their word to you. He will keep his word. Come on, I want you to clap your hands right now and just thank God. Hallelujah. But watch now. Because many of us are struggling in our present, wondering about our future. Because we are unconsciously projecting onto this king of Israel. What that king of Israel has done. But watch what this king of Israel does. He goes to them and says, what do I got to do? What, I gotta, what do I have to do to get this, get, make this right? And they said, we want to remove any resemblance of the one that hurt us. We don't want anything that looks like religion. We don't want anything that has the form of a king, but not the heart of one. And David said, done. And he went and got seven Saul's, seven sons, and they hung them up. But now you see what it did? It just transferred the trauma from a people to a person. And now one person is suffering instead of an entire people. And it's Rizpah. Rizpah. Just two of her sons. But they're her sons nonetheless. They are dead now. But here's where reluctance comes back again. She is now 
relented her sons. And here, I'll show it like this. Her son. See that? Cat-like reflexes. They hung up the son. But here's what happens. Here's what this looks like in another light. She has given her son. And the Bible says, and the sons died together. But Rizpah. No, Rispa. The Bible says she took sackcloth and she laid it on a rock. She literally began to camp in her loss. And she would stay there. And here's what she would do. Her reluctance. Rispa had the reluctance that though her son had died or though her son was dead, she wouldn't let them die. And I feel that's where we are right now, that we've settled some issues. And we, and we, we've allowed things, things are now past, but we're still trying to preserve what had passed because what happened was now the birds of the, the air, they'd come and try to lay on her or get on her dead son. But she'd say, get out of here. Don't touch it. Don't mess with him. And the foul or the foul air would come, but then the beast of the field would come and they'd start nipping at their feet. But she was trying to preserve what had already passed and her reluctance would not allow dead things to die. See, we've dealt with some stuff. But we've not allowed dead things to die. There's some things that have happened to us. Listen. That we don't talk about it anymore. But it's still there lingering like a memory. Hung up in the tree. And any time a preacher or somebody else gets close to it. And tries to touch it or even even mess with it. We say get away from it. Don't get close. And we keep people at arm's length. And say don't mess with it. Don't mess with my memory of what was. Don't mess with the dead things that I won't allow to die. I know they're past. But I've got to preserve it. I've got to preserve God, hear me. And that's what happens. How do you know? How do you know that this is you? How do you know if you have reluctance when somebody gets close to it? And somebody starts talking about it. Uh, and somebody starts ministering about it. Uh, and it's getting close to home. And you say, no, 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 don't touch it. Get away from it. Don't, don't mess with it. It's, it's too painful. It's too, don't, don't, don't. Get away, get away from it. Because here's the thing. David had to make it right with the Gibeonites. And he did what was his part to do. How do I, what do I got to do to make things right? Give us seven sons. David did that. David did everything that he thought that he was supposed to do so that we can break out of the cycle of famine. The sons are dead. But Rispa won't let them die. So as long as the memory remains hung up in our consciousness, the rain will not fall. 
And David realizes it's not enough for things to, to, to be dead, but we've got to allow them to die when we've got to bury the bones. Rizpah, you cannot allow those things to remain in your consciousness, but you've got to talk about it. You've got to bring it, the reality of your reluctance to the forefront. I don't want to let it go, but I know that I have to. So now, Antioch, 50 years, and you don't think that there might just be something hung up in your tree. There might just be a few things that are dead and they're already past, but we are still preserving them in our memory, in our consciousness. So what God has come and sent me to do, I know this isn't the prettiest kind of preaching, and I know it's not as uplifting as you'd probably like it to be. I know this is kind of weird for all the guests that are thinking, why is that guy screaming? I understand all of it, but hear me. This is so significant that I feel like God wants to break Antioch out of this rut and this cycle of famine, so I've been tasked to face the famine. Why are we going through this? I'm here to tell you, you have dealt with things. You have forgiven them, but Steel somehow it's hung up in your consciousness and somebody in here like Rizpah you've allowed things to pass but you won't let them die but God is saying instead of just brushing things off and keeping God at arm's length you've got to let God deal with those things you won't let die What that person did, what that person said, the experience that you once had, that it's in your past, but you're projecting it on your present. That's what he's dealing with. But David, oh, David, being the leader that he was, he knew she's going to have to bury those bones. She's going to have to deal with the remains of what used to be. Those were her baby boys. But do you understand? Those baby boys were her investment into her future. And I just feel it in the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to say it. I don't even know fully what it means. But I felt in the Holy Ghost that she was trying to protect her investment. And she was ending up ruining Israel's return. There are some of us in here that are trying to protect our investments. We're trying to protect things. And we're ruining our own returns. Because we're not willing to deal with the depths of loss and pain and things that have happened that we are projecting onto our present and we are forfeiting our future. But David being the leader that he was, he says, listen, I'm not going to expect Rispa to bury the bones all by herself. I know how difficult it is to deal with what has been done in our lives and in our past. David said, listen, I'm not going to allow you to go through it. I'm not going to expect you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So David, the ministry, said, I'm not going to expect you to bury bones if I'm not going to bury bones myself. 
So what does the Bible say? The Bible says that David went and got the bones of Saul and jumped. The bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan. Wait a minute. That was 30 years ago, David. And those bones still aren't buried? They were hid in the house of Beth Shan. You know what Beth Shan means? House of ease. I'll be honest with you, it's not going to be easy tonight. But do you want rain? But do you want rain? He said, it's not going to be easy if you're going to deal with what has been dead but has not yet died. He said, listen, Rizpah, I'm going to go get the bones of Saul and Jonathan and I'm going to bury some bones right alongside you because I'm not going to expect you to deal with stuff that I ain't willing to deal with myself. So he went and got some remains from 30 years with unresolved issues in his past that he had not dealt with for 30 years. And he got those bones and said, come on, Rizpah, we're going to bury these bones together. Nathaniel, get up here. Who's ever playing piano? Get up here. So here's David. David said, listen, he said, he said, come on, come on. I'm not going to expect you to deal with things that are unresolved from your past, that are hindering your present and your potential. I'm not going to expect you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. So David went 30 years into his past, and the same one that had hurt them had hurt David as well. Chased him with a spear. Ran him out of the temple and out of the, the palace. So 30 years he goes back and he gets those bones and he says, we've got to deal with this and we've got to bury the bones. And that's how we face the famine. What does it look like? It looks like, I remember, I'm not expecting you to do something I'm not going to do myself tonight. Because I remember... It was in Minnesota. I was in Minnesota at a gym and I was running in the gym and I was surrounded by people at the Anytime Fitness. And at that Anytime Fitness, all of a sudden, at one moment, places packed with people. And all of a sudden, everybody just kind of gets off their machines and goes and gets their bags and leaves. And Pastor, I was left there all by myself in a song came over the intercom because they were playing music the whole time I was there. But all of a sudden comes on Don McLean's American Pie. And all the elders said, Amen. You know, bye, bye, Miss American Pie. That's enough. But when I heard that song, you know what I did? All of a sudden, when I heard that song, I fell down to my knees. 
I said, my God, I'm sorry. And I started to repent right there because what you didn't know is that that's the same song that was played at my daddy's funeral when I was 13 years old. That was my daddy's favorite song. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad was a drunk. My dad abused my mother and he, he ended up dying because of cancer and I felt abandoned by him because he could have went and got the surgery that could remove the cancer. But that day he went, his blood was too thin because of his alcohol level was too high. So therefore in my little 13 year old mind, I thought daddy chose alcohol over me. And little did I know. That I was projecting onto this father. What that father had done to me. So when God began to deal with me. I didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to brush it under the rug. I didn't want to talk about it. I knew it was there. It was in my consciousness. But I refused to let it into my conversation. But when that song started to play. It's like I had to face the famine. Because most time, I'm like, get away from it, preacher. It hurts too bad. It's too. And I didn't want to lose what I'd already lost. So that music came. I fell to my knees and I started to pray, God, I refuse to put on you what he put on me. Because I thought because he rejected me, I thought that he would. Because that he let me down, I thought that he would. And I was putting on this father what that father did. But that day, I wanted to deal with it. So I brought it up into my conversation. Father, he hurt me. I felt abandoned. And because that father left, I feel like you're going to leave me. I just... It's just there. It's lingering. It's just hanging around in my consciousness, God. But I refuse any longer to put on you what they have put on me. So what David did, he said, I've got some bones too. I've got to bury some things. So don't think that you as Rizpah, that you have to deal with these things alone. Because you've got some men And some women here today that they're saying, we're going to settle some issues tonight too. We're going to bury the bones together. But I want to be the first one to start. How's this going to start? It's going to start with me. I'm a father. So I'm going to stand in the place of all fathers. And I'm going to represent them. Every father that ever let you down, maybe you had a good father, but everyone had a father that abandoned them, let them down, abused them. Every man, every every ministry, on behalf of all ministry that has ever done you wrong or hurt you or seemingly lied to you or couldn't keep their word, I'm going to be the first. I'm going to get down on my on my knees and I'm going to say, please. As a father, forgive us. As ministry, I know ministry might have done you wrong, but forgive us. 
It's not worth the famine. It's not worth you just dying in the cycle that you're in. On behalf of all men that have ever done you wrong, I'm sorry. Forgive us. We've got to bury the bones so we can move forward. On behalf of anybody and everybody that's ever done you wrong, I'm sorry. I'll stand in their place. Maybe they'll never ask your forgiveness. Maybe you don't have a father. He's already left this life. But I'll stand in his place. Forgive us. Maybe that ministry is not a part of your life anymore. Maybe they're down the road or maybe they're not even in ministry anymore. But in place of ministry, forgive us. On behalf of all Christianity, forgive us. In spite of what they've done to you, I'm sorry. Forgive us. Somebody, I want you right now to just bow your head. And I want you to begin to collect the remains of what happened. I want you to be get ready right now. Just bow your head because you realize what you're doing. It's not the people that are present in your life that's hurting you. It's the past that you're projecting onto them. Come on, friends that have turned their back on you. I'll stand in their place. Forgive me. Come on, that's it, Antioch. We can't be reluctant anymore. Come on, let your voice out. Come on, it's been in your consciousness. Let it be in your conversation now. Let it be in your conversation with God. God, I was hurt. I was done wrong. But I don't want to put that on the people in my life that's around me now. Come on, come on, don't hold God at arm's length. Let him let him in real close right now. Say, God, come on, God, I don't want to hold you at arm's length. Deal with my heart. Come on, God is beginning to minister to some folks in a very deep way. It's okay to trust again. It's okay to believe again. We're going to deal with the remains so that we can move forward. I want you to do me a favor right now. I want you to reach over to that person next to you that you know. And I want you to let them know that they don't have to bury the bones 
alone. And I want you to stand up with him right now if you would. Come on, are you ready? <laughs> Come on, deal with it. I know those things are past. I know those things are dead. But you've got to let them die tonight. You can't keep breathing life back into what's already dead. Settle it. That's it. Now I want you to take that person and I want you to begin to walk to them to this front. I want you to begin to come to this altar and I want you to say we're going to do this together. I want you to bring your bones. I want to bring your pain. I want you to bring everything that you thought was over. And I want you to put an end to it. I thought it was over. I thought I dealt with it. But listen, we cannot keep breathing life back into it. Settle it tonight. Antioch, we've got to move forward. Come on, if you're going to bury bones, you've got to dig deep. You've got to dig deep to bury bones. Come on, come lay your bones on this altar. Come lay your bones on this altar. Oh, God, we give it to you. God, we give it to you. Settle it. Settle it. Some of you might have to go back 30 years. Some of you might have to go back 50. But you've got to get those bones.
Lift your hands, lift your hands. Come on, this Judas isn't that Judas. This Judas isn't that Judas. Come on, it's about to rain. It's about to rain.
Come on, would you reach over to somebody right now and let them know they're not alone. God's not asking them to deal with this all by themselves. Find somebody and say, let's do this together.
the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, again and again. Oh, 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 oh.
listen, there's another level to this. We're going to pray just a few more things. I'm going to have you pray. First off, if you look at 2 Corinthians, I believe it is chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, Paul speaking, he said, he said, if you forgive anybody, I'm going to forgive everybody in the person of Christ. And then the Bible says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. One person's unforgiveness can give Satan an advantage of us. So we're going to pray a prayer of forgiveness and we're going to release the remains so that we can bury those bones, okay? So would you stand to your feet with me all over this house because we've, we've gathered the bones. Even if some of us had to go back 30 years, 40 years, we've got the bones in hand now. The remains of relationships that once were, that no longer are, but we're holding on to them. We're going to release them right now. So all I want you to do, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to repeat after me. I want you to pray with me these specific strategic prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, I've been hurt. I have been done wrong. What they did was not right. And my hurt was legitimate. But Father, in the name of Jesus, I take on your forgiveness. And I forgive them now. Those that hurt me. Those that didn't keep their word those that left my life prematurely I forgive them I release them now hold the sin not to their charge I give them to you now I surrender this to you I choose to bury these bones that you could heal the land that you can restore harvest send the rain again break the cycle and set us free now in Jesus name hallelujah come on somebody worship there's liberty in this house I'm telling you, the rains are going to return to the Maryland, D.C. district like never before. Come on, somebody break out. Break out of the cycle. Break out of the run and worship. Worship like you're free. Worship like it's over. That's it. Take somebody by the hand and go ahead and run. Go ahead and run. Go ahead. The famine is over.
can feel the drops of rain beginning to fall again. You don't have to live or even camp in your loss anymore. I feel the rain. I feel the rain. It may just be a drizzle right now, but I feel a downpour, a deluge. there's one more thing there's one more thing I feel before the church takes its next step next step forward faith in the ministry has got to be restored not to just what it was but to an even greater level so that they can lead us so how does that look like This king of Israel is not that king of Israel. So the next time this man gets behind a pulpit or he sneaks up beside you and puts his arm around you, you've got to let your walls down, let your guard down and say this king of Israel is not that king of Israel. This Judas is not that Judas. And I will not put on him something that does not belong on him. I'm going to trust the ministry. I'm going to believe where they're leading us because we are stepping in to fresh season so the next time he gets a mic or the next time he speaks into your life do not let reluctance 
rob you of your personal revival. Because that's a lot of the problem why we can't trust ministry in our present. Is because ministry in our past. But I'll say it one more time. This man of God. These men of God. This king of Israel. Is not that king of Israel. And we've got to refuse to put on them. What people have put on us. So one more time. We've prayed a prayer of forgiveness. Now we're going to pray faith back into you. We're going to pray that the gift of faith would come back to you. And that your faith for ministry would be restored. And that you could believe the word of God that is preached by them. And the prayers that are prayed by them. Lift your hands right now. Father. In the name of Jesus, the gift of faith is already in this house. But I pray that we can loose the pulpit and that we can loose ministry into our lives again so that we can believe again. That's it. I release the gift of faith right now. I feel it like it's feeling this house. There it is. There it is. I'm going to trust ministry again. I'm going to believe again. I'm allowing a man of God to speak into my life and to bring correction, to bring instruction. Hey! I hope I don't miss it here, but I just I just kind of feel like ending tonight the way we started last night. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I know it happened for you before, but... Can we say it for tonight? I've been born again into a family. Your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am. A child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. 
I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm leaving different tonight. Oh, I am. I'm a child of God. Oh, I'm no longer. I'm no longer a slave to my past. I buried the bones. I am. I'm a child of God. Oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You split the sea so I could walk right through. My fears are drowned in perfect love. Oh, you rescued me so I could stand and say, I am a child of God. Oh, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and say, I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Oh, my fears are drowned in perfect love. Oh, you rescued me so I can stand and see I am a child of God. I am, I am a child of God. God, hallelujah, 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 thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus. I, I think some of you probably sense it a little bit, but I'm not sure any of us can fully grasp it. There have been some extremely deep things that God has done in some lives in this place tonight. <laughs> very, very deep. I want to encourage you, and and I think some degree in in light of tonight, if you weren't here this morning, I want to encourage you to listen or watch this morning before you go back to last night. Because I think the message this morning and the context of what God has done here tonight are 
extremely important. Those of you that were here this morning, anybody testify that you're tired of just change? You want transition. And I think God has done some things here tonight that He wants us to transition fully into. Hallelujah. Before before I put the microphone down and before we sort of begin to disperse, would you just please close your eyes and right where you are, would you lift your hands and we just we just need to take another moment or two here and give God thanks for what he has said and for what he has done yesterday, this morning, this evening. Come on, would you express to him your thankfulness, your gratitude for what he's done for you individually and our thankfulness for what he's done in this place collectively. Oh, Jesus, we honor you. You are so amazing. God, you are so amazing. You are so amazing. Thank you for speaking clearly to us this weekend. Thank you for working in us this weekend, God. Thank you for what this is going to mean for us as we continue to move forward in what you have and what you're doing. Oh, we honor you. We honor you. We honor you, Jesus. You're so worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 I'm sorry, it's just a little bit hard to just to just go. Hallelujah. 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 Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel 
the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. One more time. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel His mighty power and His grace. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And you know what's so wonderful? Is we don't have to leave Him here when we go. But what is in this place is going to go with us. You lay down on your bed tonight, it's going to be there in your bedroom. When you get up tomorrow, it's going to be there. Because it's not just about this sanctuary. Because God fills all space. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you on Thursday night, hopefully. Pray that you have a blessed week in Jesus' name.